I think that contemplation is an underestimated component of the Christian life. So actually, we're going to start with a moment, a minute approximately, a little bit of music, but a chance really for you to do two things. I want you to contemplate. I want you to look around the room. I want you to look at what is normal, what has been changed. I'd quite like you to look at each other. And in due course, a question is going to appear on the PowerPoint. And after a minute or so of your contemplation, we'll begin to explore an answer to that question. You all know what the word weird means, right? I'm sure no one's offended by that. But why did you come here this morning? You could have gone shopping. I don't mean to be rude, but I so hope you didn't come here just for the coffee. <laughs> Sorry, was that rude? But you didn't. We all know you didn't come here just for the coffee. So why did you come here this morning? You could so easily have spent today going shopping. You could so easily have spent today doing all kinds of things other than being here, couldn't you? And what is so special about this place anyway? It's just a school, isn't it? So why do we do this? Why do we put strange bits of cloth up? Why do we have strange-shaped bits of wood? Why do we use words like holy and hallelujah and sing the kind of music that you only ever hear in a place like this? Why do we do those things? Because there are aspects of life that are more than ordinary. I love uh, the story of the burning bush. And one of the reasons I like it so much is because <laughs> the bush bursts into flame 
And Moses doesn't realize this is an angel. He doesn't realize this is God about to speak to him. He spots the bush. He spots the fire. But he notices that the bush is not being consumed. And so in a very ordinary way, he thinks, well, that's a bit unusual, isn't it? Why don't I go over and have a look at that? And then what happens? A voice comes from the burning bush and says to him, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. We all know what holy means. I love definitions. I'm always putting definitions up whenever I get to speak to you. Especially recognized or declared sacred. Oh, there's another word we might need to think about in due course. Having a spiritually pure quality entitled to be worshipped. Worshipped, oh, another word. Oh, it's getting confusing, isn't it? And the question is, how do we respond? Well, how did Moses respond? Well, he took his shoes off. Why? What's the big deal about shoes? What's the big deal about holy ground? Why would you respond to an experience of God by taking your shoes off? Well, that opens up a whole new aspect of our experience as human beings and the way that we can give expression to our full selves. Graham Cray says this. He says, we use ritual to express what words alone cannot communicate and connect major events in our lives to some sense of meaning. Do you know, I came across a psalm in preparing uh, for this morning, which said, you walk through the waters, but we do not see your footsteps. So there are these aspects of our life where it becomes so important for us to give some kind of fuller expression to the thing that we have experienced where we need not just to see it, not just to experience it, but actually to give some sense of meaning with our bodies and with our actions. <clears throat> and I am a... Okay. That's fine, because the next slide actually was all about the sacred. And uh, what is the meaning of the sacred? <laughs> I'm a little bit stuck because I was quite dependent on the PowerPoint slides. Why do we have these strange shaped bits of wood? Um, why these cloths? And why the bread and the wine? What it is about them that we set apart as giving an expression to something which is beyond us? And the temptation is always the same, isn't it? The temptation is always to fixate on these things as if they have a power of their own. When actually what we do is we use them. They become a way for us to look beyond the objects themselves and to catch a glimpse of the God who is so much greater than them. And there is a word for those that don't quite make that extra step. Those that become entirely fixated on the object become guilty of idolatry. But if we didn't have these things, if we didn't make the time and go to the trouble of covering over the ordinary with those things that we have set apart for signaling, for showing us the way towards the holiness, the otherness of God, then, well, we may as well go shopping. We may as well go to the coffee shop. 
And so it's this combination of holiness and sacred which enables us to see beyond ourselves and see beyond the ordinary and to see the God who is so much more than ordinary. I hope that makes sense to you because I deliberately didn't want to start with a reading this morning. Uh, the reading is 1 Chronicles, uh, 2 Chronicles 5, and I may get Debbie to come up and read that now. The bigger context here is that David wanted to build a temple to God. And God said, no, you can't do that. You've got blood on your hands. I'll let your son do it. And this takes years, decades. So much time and energy and effort goes into building this temple. Everyone knows that God can't really live in the temple. But it becomes a, an expression, a sacred space in which to have a closer encounter with God. And 2 Chronicles chapter 5 is all about the moment at which the temple is dedicated. So let me ask Debbie to come and read that for you. Two Chronicles chapter 5, beginning at the first verse. So Solomon finished all his work on the temple of the Lord. Then he brought all the gifts his father, David, had dedicated the silver, the gold, and the various articles, and he stored them in the treasuries of the temple of the Lord God. Solomon then summoned to Jerusalem the elders of Israel and all the heads of tribes, the leaders of the ancestral families of Israel. They were to bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to the temple from its location in the city of David, also known as Zion. So all the men of Israel assembled before the king at the annual festival of shelters, which is held in early autumn. When all the elders of Israel arrived, the Levites picked up the ark. The priests and Levites brought up the ark along with the special tent and all the sacred items that had been in it. There, before the ark, King Solomon and the entire community of Israel sacrificed so many sheep goats and cattle that no one could keep count. Then the priests carried the Ark of the Lord's Covenant into the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and placed it beneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread their wings over the Ark, forming a canopy over the Ark and its carrying poles. These poles were so long that their ends could be seen from the temple's main room, the holy place, but not from the outside. They are still there to this day. Nothing was in the ark except the two stone tablets that Moses had placed in it at Mount Sinai, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they left Egypt. Then the priests left the holy place. All the priests who were present had purified themselves whether or not they were on duty that day. And the Levites, who were musicians, Asaph, Heman, and Jedathan, and all their sons and brothers, were dressed in fine linen robes and stood at the east side of the altar, playing cymbals, lyres, and harps. They were joined by 120 priests who were playing trumpets. The trumpeters and the singers performed together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, 
they raised their voices and praised the Lord with these words. He is good. His faithful love endures forever. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. Thank you. So, sometimes the technology lets you down. Should we start with the holy? Uh, because if you move, if you start with the sacred, you get things wrong, don't you? If you start with the sacred, then either all you see is a bit of cloth, or actually what you see is something which is entirely natural, which actually gets in the way of your experience with God. So we start with the holy. And there are so many examples of that. Moses and the burning bush. Jacob wrestling with, well, is it God? Is it an angel? In the book at Jibok. One of my favorite stories in the whole Old Testament because it's so bizarre. And what does that say about the God that we worship? And now this story of the ark, which is a wooden box with two stone tablets in it, being brought into the temple. If you really want to know what drugs feel like, try reading Ezekiel chapter 1. Astonishing imagery. But what, what's going on there? Of course, he's not on drugs. But what he is having is he's having an experience which defies words. Struggling to articulate something that is beyond the natural. And let us not forget that although Jesus was fully human, he was also fully God. And so the transfiguration reminds us that there is more to Jesus than even his disciples saw. And then this new Jerusalem, which we catch a glimpse of in the book of Revelation. And again, words are being stretched to breaking point to convey to us what the otherness of God ultimately means for us and for this world. Uh, this world that is on fire with climate change. And so you start with the holy. You start with those experiences which compel you to say, well, there's more to life than shopping, more to life than another fine espresso. And that actually there is a need then to give some kind of expression to that more than. And so we choose certain things which we choose to use as symbols to point us and help us to journey closer to God. And those things become sacred. So, circumcision. Fortunately, not mandatory these days. Diet, eating certain kinds of food, abstaining from other kinds of food. Putting your hands together when you pray. Saying your confession on your knees. The kinds of songs that we choose to sing here that you don't really hear on Radio 1. And then those special rites of communion. Wine at 11 o'clock in the morning. But in the Anglican tradition, it's a both and. This is bread and wine, and yet at the same time, it is the body and blood of Christ. The holy expressed in the sacred 
drawing us closer to he who should be worshipped. And so we come to lifestyle. You do know what weird means, don't you? You all know what weird means. Strange and different from anything natural or ordinary. You thought I was insulting you, but no. I was trying to pay you a compliment. But my encouragement to you, my encouragement to myself, is to be a little bit stranger this week, a little bit weirder. See if I can't be a little bit more weird at work. My family think I'm a bit weird, but that's... <laughs> but that's the challenge, isn't it? To be open at the edges, not to put people off, but to be a little bit weird, to be a little bit different, because otherwise we may as well pack up and just all go shopping. There you go. That's it. Just be a little bit weirder.